When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Millie Tamares, and this is the Betcha Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, I am joined by Ian Lara and Ida Rodriguez. Uh, I'm super, super excited. I've been begging Amanda to do a Dominican takeover of SUP for the longest time. And I'm so excited to have these amazing, amazing comedians. You know, y'all know I'm a Dominican comedian, but we are here with Ian. He just released his stand with special romantic comedy on HBO Max, which Ida produced. And Ida has her own stand-up special, Fighting Words, which premiered on HBO Max last year. We got them in the theoretical studio right now the virtual studio uh how are you guys doing how's it going we're so happy to have you um we're good and we're happy to be here this is uh it's exciting anytime we could do a dominican takeover it's always uh exciting (laughs) so i'm happy to be here thank you for having us First of all, congratulations to both of you. What I mean, I don't want to sound condescending or anything, but what an incredible accomplishment to have a comedy special produced on such an amazing platform. So I just really want to give you guys your props for that. Um, so good morning and thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I'm very, uh, first of all, I directed Ian's special. Yes. Uh, I'm excited about it because it's a it's a comedy special that contends with all the other comedy specials. And him being Dominican is just icing on the cake. Yeah. And I think that personally, you know, as an artist, as a creator, I think that people now, I mean, in many good ways, the barrier of entry to comedy is a lot lower. And, you know, anybody can go and make a funny video and everything. But Mm. there really is like a beauty and a craft and an artistry to having a stand up special. I'm congratulating you because I know how hard it is to curate an hour, 30 minutes, what you know, and then also, as a director, curating somebody else's work and getting the best out of them. I mean, just talk to me about that process, if you will, a little bit before we get into the <laughs> other stuff. Well, the great thing is that the 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 greatness was already there. <laughs> it was Absolutely. just shining the light on it. Because let's be honest, uh, we've watched some of this comedy and some of this comedy belongs in the nearest receptacle. So mm-hmm. I said it. But... Um, 
you know, just being able to show up for it and say, you know, the, the, the artist is there, the art is there, the comedy is there. How do we make this, frame this, point at some monitors, shine some lights on them and make it look, make, let the outside, the exterior match what the comedy is bringing. And that's, that's what's really exciting. Um, that was what was exciting for me was the fact that I was actually working with my colleague who was doing good work and putting in all of the stuff that needs to go into creating and crafting what we call a comedy special, mm. not not just, you know, people doing borrowed jokes and mm-hmm. gimmicks for an extended amount of time and calling that special. But those of us who know, know those that belong mm-hmm. to this, you know, collective of comedy who really respect it and understand the art. It was mm-hmm. there. And then just being able to say, all right, Ian, go show them who you are. Tell them what your name is, fool. <laughs> yeah. So so Ian's special, yeah. what you're telling me is Ian's special was an hour of him wearing a wig and saying <laughs> women be shopping. <laughs> and you just shine the light on that. And it's basically him making fun of his mom and making fun of women for an hour. No, I'm kidding. No, Shots you're right. Shots fired. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. The the artistry is there. I mean, I've had the pleasure of seeing Ian live and I totally get it. Ian, talk to me about what it was like to to produce this special and and that work and, and all of that. I'm so curious. And how was it how was it to have Ida telling you to take that wig off and to stop talking about women shopping? <laughs> First of all, women do be shopping. Ah! <laughs> and so does Ian. <laughs> <laughs> It was honestly, it was just, it was great. Like for me, working with Ida was like working with like a family member where like I didn't have to question whether anything was like, sometimes like in this, in this business, people will tell you stuff and you're kind of like, is this, is this what's best for me or is this what's best for mm. whatever interest <laughs> you're involved in or whatever interest pays your bills or whatever you want to, you know? Um, you have those questions because you're like, this don't sound like it's for me. But with working with Ida, I didn't have to question that where if it was something where like I wanted to do this and she was like, oh, we should probably do this. I didn't have to question like, is this what's best for me or is this what's best for whatever you have um, going on? So that was like mm-hmm. that gave us complete freedom. So we were able to like go back and forth freely without nothing, like without no middle thing. And it was just great. I mean, I. My other like I filmed especially with uh with Comedy Central. That was a half hour, but that was like different. Like I met that one I met the director like the day of and he was cool too and mm. he was like, All right, we're gonna do this. But that wasn't this. This we were like we would get on the phone and talk for hours on end about like what's going on. I remember being on the road and calling her, like, Yeah, the material's coming along, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. So this was like mm. I'm very proud of this work that we did. Wow. Well, we love to see a mutual, uh, respectful relationship that breeds artistry and gets an amazing product. Goals, 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 goals. I love it. But I want to hear more about you guys. Tell me where you grew up. What's your background? I mean, I know we're Dominican, so I want to hear where you grew up, where your family's from, where's your family staying now and all of that. Uh, I'm I'm from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. I lived there for like the first 12, 10 to 12, 12, 11 years of my life. And then I moved to Queens for the rest of it. And I've been in Queens ever since. And uh, my mom and dad, they were both born in the Dominican Republic. They were born 
a block away from each other in in Dominican Republic at, in uh, this uh, town called San Cristobal. And, uh, oh my, my god, mom. that's where my mom's from too. Oh really? Uh, yes. Oh, nah, let's that's, talk uh, after. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. Small world. We're probably that's related. Related. that's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, my mom my mom, she moved uh to here first and she actually went back and was just there for Christmas when she met my dad, and then she ended up marrying wow. him and bringing him here. And I've um and you know, we used to go back every summer, spend time with my grandparents, and so I have a, a strong connection over there. But yeah, I started comedy here and I've been uh here my whole life. I met Ida when I was like a year and a half, maybe two years in to comedy. Um, we had the same manager and we were just uh, like, I, I remember just us hanging out at the office and just talking and we hit it off from there. Like we exchanged numbers and we've been cool ever since. Oh my God. Awesome. Ida, talk to me about your background. And- so my mom, I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican and I grew up nice. with my, I grew up with my Puerto Rican family and I just recently uh, met my Dominican family a year ago, uh, which is in my comedy special. That was actually when I met them. That wasn't like choreographed. Like the first time I saw my father was actually the first time that I saw my father. And they, Nadia, the director of the documentary, did it on purpose. But I grew up in uh, between Miami and New York, mainly in Miami. I lived in New York when I was little, and then I came back to New York later. Ironically, New York also feels like home for me. And I grew up uh, very Puerto Rican. I grew up... <laughs> eating pasteles and arroz con gandule. And I say that to say, not that I didn't grow up Dominican, but growing up in the in the United States, I grew up like my Puerto Rican grandmother was like, we ate arroz con gandules and they ate pernil and, and t- pavo chon for the holidays. We cele- we've never celebrated Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> we, no. You know, like we no, always yeah. celebrate the 24th. Never, yeah. not yeah. my entire life. There's never been. Yeah. <laughs> That's just hangover day, really. <laughs> day. Yeah, yeah, that's hangover. like, it's like that. And that's what white people, like, they're like, oh, that's what the white people do. With that. Yeah. So tomorrow, today's their day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We already got on our new clothes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone celebrate, uh, yeah, Latin celebrate the day before. So, okay, thank you for sharing that. For I feel like Puerto Rican, Cuban, Dominican, there are differences, and we're, I would love to share, obviously, but there's a lot more in common than, than they're the you same know, people. It, it's yeah. the same people. Uh, everyone's part, you know, I have family like in Puerto Rico, you know, it's just all, it's all yeah. like the diaspora. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. 
They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are for dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. I'm curious to hear, I'm, I identify as Afro-Latina. I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't want to assume, but I think I know Ian has uh, comedy about being ever Latino. No, no, not me. And no, I'm, heard, I'm white. I'm white. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Black <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that too, but I'm curious to hear what you want people to know about the Afro-Latino, Latine community and representation and all of that. What are some things that you would love people to know about that? Uh, well, I'm just happy that we finally have like, Cause we we're not new. Like it's it seems like we just yeah. came out. Like, <laughs> but like we've been here. We didn't just ex- start existing in 2016. Like we've been here. Yeah. Um, it's nice to have. I think it's nice to have like a name for it. Exactly. And I'm just glad we have like a voice at the table as far as like black people goes. Where it's like we all we're we're still we're black people, but we can come to the table as like oh we're just not African American, but you know it's just like slaves that got off at a different place in the, in the, on, on the voyage, mm. you know, but we all come from the same place. So having that uh, seat at the table, I think it's cool. Cause I remember growing up, I used to like, all, like my friends were like Dominican and African-American. And I remember like my, some of my Dominican friends would make fun of me for being black. And then some of my African-American friends would make fun of me for being like Dominican and not like in a harmful way, but that was just like, the joke or whatever. And mm-hmm. I kind of didn't know, like, where, where do I stand? But it's nice to have, like, a thing where I can be like, this is where I stand. I'm this. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I think that, especially within the Black community, like on Black Twitter and all of that, there's, like, kind of a meme of Dominicans, like, quote, unquote, denying their Blackness. And there is a history. There is a context there. There is anti-Blackness in Latin America. I'm never going to deny that. But in terms of, like, the Dominican-American experience, I feel like what you're saying of 
we now have a vocabulary word and there's also a bigger understanding of the black diaspora. Like for me, when someone would ask me when I was growing up in Miami, if I'm black, I would say no. But also if you ask me if a Haitian person was black, I would say no. Because to me, blackness was was represented was the African-American. I call it family matters black. My only idea of blackness was family matters. Everyone spoke English. Everyone's legal. Someone's a cop. (laughs) That's not how I grew up. So, you know, I definitely, but now we have this idea just in the same way that whiteness, there are white people from Spain, Portugal, Germany, all over. Now we have this black diaspora understanding of like Nigerian, Ghanaian, black American, all Haitian. So I think that's so incredible. And like, yes, but we've always been here and it's not like it's a new identity, you know, but it's just a new vocabulary word as we're starting to talk about like the bigger Afro-Latino community yeah. and I'll, I'll say i'll say this too because i i see like the the black twitter memes and i laugh and i definitely do know what they're referring to but mm-hmm. everybody that i know like every dominican or puerto rican or black cuban that i know embraces their blackness like i don't know like my family's all black dominican mm-hmm. and they all say they're black like i so i know it exists but mm-hmm. i i think like especially now there, it's a lot more accepting than it was and it's mostly the older ones that refuse to and mm-hmm. you know admit it like all the young ones i know are like yeah we're black obviously i mean i guess that's my question too my next question is like i'm sure you have both of you have family in puerto rico and in dominican republic and as we're talking about you know race is such a big part of our identity in the u.s especially as like latinos i'm curious of like how your experience of race is differs from your family back home and like maybe their experience and like things that you've noticed in conversations that you've had because I there are big glaring differences even within class and stuff so I'm just curious how that's shown up for you I know this is an intense question I I know you could have it (laughs) (laughs) you see I've been quiet this whole time because I'm exhausted um yeah so you know it's funny because I always hear from family members back home who are like, why y'all always talking about race? Like, y'all mm. always talking about race. God, aquí nosotros somos puertorriqueños. Aquí nosotros somos dominicanos. Like, and it's, it, but it's also uh, a level of denial about mm. the racism that exists in Latin America. People just don't have time to focus on it like they do here because they're too busy trying to figure out how they're going to eat. Mm. And I just think here we we get so caught up with catchphrases and talks and conversations, but laws don't change and policies don't change and situations and conditions don't change. But we got, Mm. but you want to take somebody down on Twitter because they got a black grandmother and they lighter than you. And it's just some bullshit. And so I, um, I, I, I think I want to hear what they have to say. I like to listen to the people that are in my family in the Dominican Republic that are not in my tax bracket and the people in Puerto Rico and my family who are still trying to figure out their day to day for me to come there with this intellectual elitism with terms, you know, Mm. with terminology and, uh, and, and attitude about what is correct and problematic when they're trying to figure out their day to day. And I think sometimes it can be very condescending to them coming from us where we have the luxury and the privilege to sit around and discuss terminology and phrasing hmm. and all and identity and all the things that we we revel in that make us who we are when they just trying to figure out how they're going to eat on Wednesday. 
And so mm-hmm. I just, I like to listen. I like to pay attention. I, I identify as Afro-Indigenous. I like to claim mm. both of my roots. And I know that um, I, I've always spoken about the Afro-Latino, Latinx, Latinate agenda. I've been doing it for, since I started doing stand-up and I started doing public speaking because I grew up being educated by a grandmother that told us that about our blackness and only only within like the recent years what was there a pushback from darker skin black latin people telling me that i can't claim blackness because of my skin tone and then there's no whiteness that i can assume because then white people look at me like i'm absolutely out of my mind and so i just learned to just stop focusing so heavily on terminology and really focus on changing the conditions of my people in this country but when mm. it comes with the question about the Afro-Latinidad, you know, it's I, I am tired of the erasure of blackness within our spectrum. So I'm just glad that there's an awareness and I look mm. forward to change because even though we are talking about Afro-Latinidad, when you look at TV shows and you look at movies, it's still it's still very much, you know, it's still very much being erased. And so I even, even black Latinos who have power in Hollywood erase other black people and they only want to be the, out, the only black people in it. And so I just think it's important to keep talking about it. Yeah. And also to, to, the, all, to the family and the people that be like, why we keep talking about it? People ask us. <laughs> we we, we yeah. don't just we don't just like it's not like we just walk into parties and start bringing yeah. up. <laughs> That geopolitical <laughs> thing, like people constantly ask us, like to the white person when they go, no one asks them about race. That's why they don't talk about race. Yeah. Like, people put that on, oh, you talk about race. People ask us. It's our experience. That's what people want to know. When a white person, no one cares about their opinion on race. Also, I mean, it just affects differently from sure, our day to day. Like yeah. you can, you know, if I'm being followed around a store or you women know, be people shopping. are making as women <laughs> <Yeah>. be shopping, <laughs> you know, when, when people are discriminating or making I'm not what am I gonna do? Turn around and be like, hey, I know you're following me, but I just want yeah. you to know I'm Dominican. And they're gonna be yeah. like, oh never mind, actually. Like, no. Right. They yeah. don't care. Like in America no one cares. <laughs> like yeah. we're having these nuanced in-house conversations, but yeah. And that's what I appreciate about you two. Again, as an artist, as I see y'all, you guys are making these points that I feel like are reflected. And as we're talking about representation and stuff, you know, points and and things that you're using comedy as a way to share this experience that's maybe it's niche, whatever. I don't think it is. But whether it's not a niche, like people identify with it even across different cultural representations, sure. whether you're Afro-Latino or not, you can understand the nuances of feeling a different way about things than the people do back home, you know? Absolutely. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in
in less than 30 minutes. Oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes. Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Speaking more about that, you know, this is a political podcast and we talk all the time about trends and a lot of learnings from midterm elections and this and that. And before we, I even knew that, you know, you were coming on the show, I was sending my editor your clips, Ida, um, from uh, the Charlemagne show about the Latino vote because I was like, really, you, the way that you articulated it was it's been something that we've been discussing for a while. Something, just a discussion topic that comes up and it has been coming up in the Democratic Party is this quote unquote Latino vote. Yeah. Like the Latino <laughs> vote, Latinos voted this, Latinos voted that way. What can you say about the Latino vote or what are the misconceptions? What are your perspectives about what the Latino vote is? Yeah, the, you know, it's funny is... Um, I will say I'm so glad that election in Georgia is over because I really want to start talking about who's dating who again. I'm really like I'm, <laughs> I'm back. Like I'm really excited uh-huh. about being back to petty because it's been so heavy. Um, I got a lot of backlash, a lot, a lot of backlash for that uh, clip. Um, and it's very interesting how that it was a lot of lot white Latinos who got very upset about what I said. Oh, well. And they, they missed the whole <laughs> point, which is. You know, first of all, there's no Latino vote. And that's that's mm-hmm. the misconception of it all. There's no Latino market. There's no Latino group. There's a there is a spectrum of Latinidad and a bunch of different groups within that spectrum. And that spec within those groups, people vote in their interests. If you're a white Latino, then you don't really have to deal with issues about you're not that concerned about law enforcement pulling you over. You're not that mm. concerned about issues of blackness. And if it, if you're not a true ally and you don't give a damn about black people, then you're not going to vote with that in mind. And that's mm. what I was saying. Anti-blackness is real within our community so much that these Mexican people were on that feed telling me that they never heard of anti-blackness in Mexico. And that Techo, <laughs> who is in Wakanda forever, has been trending all over the place talking about how anti-black Mexico is and how much anti-blackness he's had to deal with. And he wrote a whole book about it. And that's a New York Times bestseller 
uh, called uh, Soy Prieto, something about being Prieto. What does Prieto mean just for the... And Prieto is another word, a terminology that's used for black. And there's a bunch of code words in Latin America that's used for being black. Moreno, and they say them all. And so we gotta, we supposed to act like none of this really happens, right? We supposed mm. to be, like when people tell me in LA, you're, you're Latina, but you kind of like black to us. Or how did you learn how to speak Spanish? They ask mm. me all the time. Mm-hmm. Or, I, or I, I just thought you were a, a light-skinned black girl, like woman or whatever. And I'm like, you know, you can be both. Like you can mm-hmm. be Latina. So, but, so when it comes to the vote, you know, I just, I, people fail to realize that big chunk of reality is that there's a lot of white Latinos and not just in Argentina, not just in Bolivia, not just in Chile, all over Latin America who identify as white and they vote with, you know, a certain interest. And they're also conservative. A lot of them, you know, we were colonized through Catholicism and religion. So a lot of us vote with religion in mind. We're anti-abortion. But we're voting for people who are anti-abortion who want to send you home. And so it's yeah. just this very big mechla, this big mixed jambalaya of people who some people care about immigration. Some people care about asylum. And so to say that we're just one group and why, the question wasn't why, why do Latinos vote the way they vote? The question that Charlemagne asked me was why what is different between the Latino vote and the black vote? That's a very specific question. And my answer was that Latinos have their own white people and white people Mm -hmm. tend to vote very differently than black people. Sometimes, you know, even even if you're liberal, because a lot of liberals like to pat themselves on the back. You, st- you call yourself a liberal and you'll move into a black neighborhood, but you will also work on pushing all the black people out that neighborhood. And I'm not mm. talking, I'm not generalizing saying all people. I'm talking about the specific group people within those groups. Mm. And so that is what plays a role, a big role in the way that Dominicans and Puerto Ricans vote different because Puerto Ricans have citizenship. And yeah. so they, they're, not, they're not that hard up on immigration. Right. But Dominicans and Mexicans might vote a little more similarly because they do care about immigration and Central Americans and Cubans have asylum. So they don't Mm. give a shit about immigration sometimes. So you got to be empathetic within your group. If you really care about the whole Latino group, then you as a Puerto Rican got to be like, yo, I got to care about the Dominicans and the Mexicans and the Cubans. Mm. So if we want to have collective power and that's what happens within our group. And that's why we don't have collective power. And we just give our power to everybody else. Because a lot of us love white people. We watch the Fast and the Furious and we give them our money. (laughs) But we won't go and invest in Ian. And we don't go and invest, you know, like Gina Torres. I'm going to shut up now. But Gina Torres is an Afro-Cuban woman who had a TV show and nobody watched that shit. But when... Uh, John Leguizamo said whatever he said about whatever ig- comment he made in ignorance that I don't think was malicious, but whatever he said about the Emmys, because he didn't include Jarrell Jerome, everybody used Gina Torres as the poster woman. And they kept posting this clip about her. And she was told me, she was like, where were all these people when my show was on the air? Because nobody watched the show, but they'll make me trend. There it is. There it is. There it is. Wow, you're dropping bomb after bomb, specifically mind-blowing, shocking, that all Latinos are not a monolith. <laughs> Breaking news. Wow, Breaking wow. News. wow. <laughs> Breaking news. All y'all asses who be talking all this shit, 
Better Make Ian special, one of the most viewed specials of 2022 and 2023 on HBO Max. <laughs> all y'all, all y'all rebels, y'all better be tuning in about this black Latino who has a comedy special on HBO Max. How many black Latinos do you see? Him in Orlando, Labor. That's it. So they, their shit should be trending through the roof. Listen, I'm going to pause watching Theo James's penis on White Lotus for two seconds <laughs> to Please. repeat the special. Everybody watch the special over and over and over again. No, you, you said a lot of things again that were so interesting, so true. Speak to my experience as someone, again, I went to college in California. Even that experience as an Afro-Latina in California blew my mind because it is a lot of like getting excluded from you know the the latin kids in my in my college would all meet and not invite me and all this stuff but then like that's when i got acceptance from the black community you know and like and it was a real like that was the diaspora moment for me so yeah it's interesting but i think the, a big point of what you're saying is like the Latino vote is not a monolith. And I feel that even like even with the Asian vote, as we're talking about, you know, we talk about the Asian vote and like there's different even groups and cast in, in Asian um, in the Asian community and stuff. So as we're talking about um, if you were a campaign manager for a politician that you're very excited about and you had an unlimited budget to target your your people, what would you do? What would you get? Would you get like Romeo Santos to talk like <laughs> like like what would be an ideal campaign event for you to target or what would be your strategy to get more people like you out to vote? Well, to be honest, I think at, like I'll speak about what I know in, in New York, like the, the young Afro Latino Dominican Puerto Rican vote in New York is very edu like is very educated. Like I, I went to. All, all of my friends who were like Afro-Latino, Dominican immigrant parents, like we all went to college. We all like got our bachelor's degree. They all like thing. So I feel like getting them is not the same as, and this is no disrespect obviously to like our parents or the older generation, but getting them is very different. In fact, I find hmm. as we grow, like the disparity in how we view, you know, po politics is growing completely apart to the point where like, I know some of my friends hmm. and their parents, I know some of my friends who like don't really speak to their parents like that because hmm. of the parents' conservative views and conservative choices. And again, it's all rooted in the church because of, you know, how we were colonized. So they'll, they'll stick to the church a lot, which I've seen. So I have some like family members who some of the decisions they made, I'm like, wow, it surprised me. I'm like, you? You're siding it like I thought you were like I don't want to make whatever you choose politically to make you like a bad person, but just like you just raised me differently than this stance you're taking on this. Um, so I think I think for the young people, if I were putting on if I were a campaign manager for the for the young people, um, we have like our issues that we care about. For example, like I said, a lot of them are educated, so a lot of us did have to take on like student loan debt so we could go to school and get a degree and. Um, have a job. So I would focus on that because, again, a lot of us are born here and are, you know, we're lucky enough to be born in this country and have citizenship. So, you know, we have concern for that for the rest of our family members. But we're more uh, we're more like what affects us more on a daily basis is the the, you know, our student loans, getting good jobs, having affordable housing. So the same thing that affects regular America, you know, Americans who were born here like we've We've been able to, like, in a generation or two, pretty much integrate completely 
in in the um, American system where yeah we're Afro Latino with it but we're just Americans really. Yeah, I would go get like a group of people like the Avengers, uh, my <laughs> own team of Avengers. So I would go get like Chris Small, someone like Chris Smalls who understands unions, like yeah. grassroots mm. people who are not celebrities, not career politicians, but people mm. who are social activists, people who really understand economics because to make difference in this country, you gotta, everything is rooted in money. The capitalism is so sure. corrupt and toxic that that's what's ruining our country. But I would go get people like that, like, you know, these young leaders and, and older ones too. Like I would have a system, like a village of people that are represent all interests and points of views that are on the ground that you never hear about. Like you'll you'll hear about a comedian being an activist. And I, I, I'm responsible for that too. Like I, that's why I always back people off. Like, I'm not doing this day to day because when HBO called me to do my special, I was on the road doing stand up. And then I went mm. and did a comedy special with some Tom Ford shoes on and a, a you know, outfit that was custom made. There you go. You know what I mean? And an SUV drove me there. Like, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. Suburban. So for me to sit there and say, I'm I'm really, you know, I'm with the, yeah. the, the towel makers in, in the middle of the country. The people <laughs> at the factory is a lie. But there yeah. are some people who are really on the ground. And I would go find those people and say, here's the money that you need because you need it and you're not getting it because the people who are getting it are the grandson of this yeah. rich white dude or whatever. And assemble a crew of people who are really connected to what's happening and, and what Ian said, housing, affordable housing, education. Mm. Education is so important. We always, we forget education. The reason why Donald Trump has been able to wrap radicalize all these people is because they don't have an education. They don't have the information hmm. and they, they believe what he tells them. So somebody goes and drinks me uh, medication that di and dies when they get COVID and then they want to sue Donald Trump, but they don't have any basic, they don't have the fundamentals. Like if you play basketball, Critical gotta, thinking, yeah. Yeah. And so, and you know, they, they've weaponized terminology that leads people to information and education. And so I would go get the people that can do that because politics has gone mainstream and it's another way to be famous and popular and rich. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have stepped into those roles of activism and politics because they just want to be, they couldn't, they, they make it as an actress or, or, a, or as a business person, mm -hmm. I could go, Donald Trump is the president, the man from, you know? Yeah. So I got, you got to go get the antithesis of all of those people. Oh, God, so much wisdom. So I think just to really quickly echo, like, you know, I think something that you were saying, Ian, about the generational divide and something on, on top of all your amazing ideas, Ida, I think something needs to be said about the misinformation targeting Ooh. older Latino people yes. and older people. So, like, yes. if I had a millions of dollars, I'm doing WhatsApp campaigns for <laughs> these people and spreading it on all the group chats and everything. So, really quickly, where can our listeners follow you, support you, and just be your biggest fans. Please, please, yeah. please plug, plug, plug away. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Ian Lara Live. My website is ianlaralive.com. And watch the special. That's the biggest way to support. Watch the special. It's on HBO Max, Ian Lara, romantic comedy directed by the great Ida Rodriguez. My social media, you better follow me now because they're, they're little by little, they're decreasing. Like I got rid of Twitter, <laughs> Twitch. I only have Instagram and Facebook. I think it's still there because somebody else is 
uh, managing my page, but you can follow me at Funny Ida. And um, Fighting Words is streaming on HBO Max too. Watch that along with romantic comedy. And my website is funnyida, A-I-D-A.com, because I'm getting ready to start touring in January for my Don't At Me tour. And I mean that from my soul. <laughs> but if you really want to support me, watch Ian's special, Romantic Comedy, because that you supporting him is supporting me. And that's how we win. That's how we win. And listen, Ian's Ian special is going to get so many numbers. They're like, wow, we want more Afro-Latinos on HBO Max. Hopefully, and then, yeah. then it'll be my time to shine. Yeah, so that's what we want to do. And then Ian maybe directs mine. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, that's what we want to keep passing it down. Yeah. <laughs> keep passing it down. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much. We love you here at The Sub. Until the end of democracy, I'm Millie Tamaris, and this is the Petra Sub Podcast. Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at Betches.com. Betches.